Are you ready to overcome the complexities and burdens that come with your success? Join the team at Centura Wealth Advisory in the Live Life Liberated podcast. Now, on to the show. Okay, thank you both for joining me today. Today I have Aubrey Surfling and Lori Long, longtime clients and retired executives that uh, have come along with us in the planning process and allowed us to manage your investments. Thank you for agreeing to sit down with me today. Sure. Yeah, Pleasure. So who this audience is right for are ultra high net worth individuals and families that are seeking comprehensive and sophisticated wealth management solutions and the professionals who serve them. I think they would be well served to listen to this today. Why don't you guys tell me a little bit about your educational backgrounds and your family? Okay, I'll go first. I have a bachelor's degree in uh, economics and business administration. And I worked in the biomedical research field for several years. The majority of my background is in biomedical research, finance, and administration. I have a degree in accounting. And my last job before we left New York, I was doing executive recruiting for a boutique firm that recruited for pharmaceutical and biotech companies. My family, I grew up in Los Angeles. I had a dad that was very strict, youngest of five kids. Not so much stress on education, but more on hard work and showing up on time and being in the right place and working hard. I do charitable work in the valley. When we moved to Palm Desert, I retired and I've served on several charity boards. I'm currently on Desert Arc, which services, uh, creates opportunities for 650 clients with disabilities. And I'm also on an Eisenhower support group called Circle of Stars. Yes. Nice. How about you, Aubrey? I uh, went to graduate school at Berkeley, first got an MBA in finance, and then went on to get a master's degree in hospital and health administration, where I've spent really my whole career and have been the CEO of two organizations, the last one for a very long run, 20 years, and have found it a very fulfilling career and enjoyed it very much. Born and raised in the Midwest on a small family farm. It was part in Iowa and part in Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah, you've told, you've shared with me before, like I could survive on very little. I grew up with very little. I could survive on very little, Derek. Yeah. 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 So, and you guys have a blended family. And, we do. Um, so, uh, you guys were introduced to me by a, a uh, somebody that's close to you guys, a senior executive at your firm that was a client of ours and said, uh, November of 2013, you guys should go down and chat with Derek Meyer. And so can you believe it's been this many years later, eight and a half years later, oh, none of us have aged a, a, a day though. <laughs> and, and we needed help. We didn't really realize at the time just how much help we needed. Yeah. Exactly. But we figured it out as we went with you, Derek, and appreciate it very much. Yeah, I remember that. I was trying to talk you into having a phone appointment. You're like, no, Derek, I'm driving down. I'm going to meet you in your office. Yeah. You showed up with those boxes. So. <laughs> I'd forgotten that. Yeah. Yeah, I've always had a, a philosophy that you can't form trust over a Zoom call or over a telephone call. you got to meet uh, the principal in person and shake their hand and get to know them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that started the relationship. And on, in the planning process, we started to uncover pain points. And as we started to uncover those pain points, to start started to, to building a plan. And as we put these together, it's gathering the facts, 
the assumptions and the goals. And that takes time. And oftentimes people are like, gosh, do I want to spend this much time and effort in the planning process? Why don't you tell me about the pain points that you uncovered and what you learned along the way in the planning side of it? Uh, well, I'd say one is, uh, you know, even though I was uh, working hard and making a lot of money, there was just no tax planning that went along with it. We really hadn't done any estate planning at all to speak of. And I think you really were our guide uh, in terms of both estate planning, tax planning, as well as investments. And, you know, Working where I did, it was pretty much just uh, putting them in index funds, and so there wasn't much creativity to it, and you kind of, I think, guided us to a much more balanced portfolio where we have uh, very significant real estate investments that have performed extremely well, and helped us through, I think, those three different processes, meaning tax planning, estate planning, and investments, and it's taken quite a while, but we really settle down and are very, very happy with it. Yeah. And so when we embark on the income tax piece of it, you're putting a lot of money in trusts. How, how difficult was that for you to make that first decision to say, gosh, we're going to put a very large sum of money into this trust. And Derek, we're, we're trying to get to retirement. Why are you telling us to fund trusts that are gonna lock up this money. How difficult was that for the two of you to make those, that well, decision? Don't they say it takes seven years by the time you start talking about a trust when you actually do it? I think that, was, <laughs> that was kind of the track we were on and it was really hard, I think, to, to let go and to put it into a trust. We knew it was the right thing to do. And as far as investing, you think you know, but you really don't know. And that's where people like you come in who are you know, educated in this field and helped us along and we, we came a long way, but it was hard to do it. It wasn't yeah, easy. It was I painful. Well, I think the four charitable trusts that we set up, we really hit kind of a sweet spot in the market because interest rates were incredibly low. Mm-hmm. And the way these clats work, as you will know, Derek, is that the liability is increasing at, at a federally approved rate, which was very low. And if you have invested in good assets, it's really kind of have your cake and eat it too, where you can do something that's very charitable and yet something that makes a lot of financial sense, including tax sense. Yeah. And in your guys' goals, you guys had shared that, you know, you contribute quite a bit to charity while you're working. And you were saying, gosh, we'd love to continue that during retirement, but we don't know. Are we going to have significant resources to take care of all the people in our life we want to take care of, including yourselves and your family and and the charities. Mm -hmm. And so being able to, I know early, the first couple of those trusts going, gosh, are are we sure we can really do this? And we need to make sure that we're going to, you know, this is going to suffice our needs, right? right? And then you decided to continue to work. And you said, gosh, I'm... I don't know if I really want to be done. I want to continue, you know, I really enjoy what I'm doing here. What what went into that decision-making process? I think part of it was um, I had an individual that had worked for me for 12 years as the executive vice president and chief operating officer. And I could see that I needed to get out of his way. And if I didn't, uh, he was going to get to an age where I think the board would have probably said, um, I don't know, maybe we should go to the outside. And I really didn't want that to happen. And Mm -hmm. so 
but I had uh, gotten up to where I was 77 years old. You don't look 77. I know, and I don't feel 77, but that's what the driver's license says, so I'm stuck <laughs> with it. So it was time for me and time for the organization, and I think that transition went very well and worked out very well. Yeah. So but I tell people I love the freedom but miss the action. Yeah. Lori wants you to get back to yeah. some of the action. Huh? Yes. That'd be nice. <laughs> but uh, one of the things uh, Marty did for me that I really appreciate is I've got a great office that I go to and spend quite a bit of time in. And I said, Marty, never take that away from me. It's critical to saving our marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I think Lori's voice is the same. <laughs> exactly. Same greetings there. So... <clears throat> And now turning our attention from income tax planning to wealth transfer planning, you guys have a blended family. I've shared with you, I come from a blended mm-hmm. family, and oftentimes there can be unintended consequences in putting together that estate plan. And we know we've spent a fair bit of time making sure that all the parties' needs are going to be met, that, that we, your children and Lori and property wants to make certain that everybody's taken care of but making certain that all these different things line up in a way that there aren't unintended consequences. Because I know you guys have both witnessed where there's been blended families and one person passes and it's, it gets ugly or complicated. And that's something you definitely wanted to avoid. Can you talk about going through that process and getting that all put together? Uh, let me start and then Laura, you can jump in. One of the things for me is I probably, it's not unusual for a couple to just not want to talk about it. Yeah, you know, it's uncomfortable, you, right? It's an uncomfortable conversation and you go, everything's going great, we love each other, we got a great relationship, do we really want to take the lid off of Pandora's box here and get into all these uh, complicated issues? And I'm really appreciative for what you did. You were very patient with us. I remember once uh, I called you, Derek, and said, don't corner her or push too hard or she'll dig in. We just have to take our time on this. And we did. And it took a significant time and it worked out really well. And we've done a couple of amendments along the way uh, as our thinking has become more refined, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a huge accomplishment. And I, I'll just say for myself, I really sleep better. So, Lori. Well, I think it was a difficult process and it was uncomfortable talking about your immortality and, you know, what's going to happen after you go and all of this. But I think you really guided us through that process and it wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. I remember calling you one time in tears and I was about to get on the tennis court and I had to call you back. And so it, but we got through it and I think, I think it's laid out really well for all of us, yeah. everybody involved. I think it's really laid out where everyone's taken care of and it's going to be a, you know, an easy transition and thank you because you did guide us through all that. Well, I think what you said is true is oftentimes they're like, look, I don't want, why do I want to deal with it? It's problems are going to happen after I'm gone. And so that somebody in the family is like, let them deal with it. And really having the clarity of saying, no, let's, let's hash it all out. Let's make certain that it's really, everybody knows what it's going to look like is super, super helpful Uh, coming from a family where that didn't happen. And, you know, my, my father passed 23 years ago, and we're still dealing with those complexities. So super helpful. I, and I think blended families are particularly tricky. Of course. Um, and like I said, it kind of there's a natural human reaction to just push it off and say, I don't feel like dealing with this. Mm-hmm. 
Um, mm -hmm. But like I said, I'm. I think we're both very pleased that we uh, and both sleep better. Mm -hmm. That we've got that all in place, and I think are. I think everybody's feeling very good about what we did. So in our business, most folks focus on investments. I mean, we that's a very scalable business. Mm -hmm. The planning side of the business is typically enough to satisfy clients, and it's typically focused around goal-based financial planning or cash flow-based financial planning. That stuff's needed, but there are much bigger things that we just spoke about. Income tax planning we find to be a huge issue. It really can change somebody's retirement outlook in a big way, as you guys know, really changed, Absolutely. right? The second is this wealth transfer planning to make sure that your, you know, the, the assets are gonna go to the people you want, right? There's three categories. There's the friends and family, charity, and government. And if you wanna cut out the government and get what you want to these different groups, you have to do the planning around that. And then the third group that we call balance sheet optimization. And, and that's a catch-all for all the other kind of things that, that we find in the planning process. And the first one that we had with you was, gosh, you had all these insurance policies all over from all these different people. Yeah. And that took probably, what, a year or so just to get untwisted. How did that turn out for, for you? Because in the end, you ended up going against my advice you said, Derek, this is what's super important. This is what I want to know. Okay. Yeah. I can't remember going against you, but. See? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember that. It was overfunding. And so, uh, yeah, you yeah. just you said, look, in all scenarios, I want to make 100% sure that this is going to work. Yeah. Because you're so making, if something happened to you, you want to make sure that Lori and your kids are going to be taken care of. Um, so how was that process and getting that all cleaned up? It took about a year of time. Is that or too long ago? Do you um, remember that? I no. remember the life insurance yeah. policies that you had, and you saying you've got to read the fine fine print because there's always like perhaps you know balloon payment at the end and things. And you went through all those policies and either sold them or revised them. Or I I remember that part of it, yeah. and that was very important. Yeah. Well, I think that was another part of the restructuring. I don't remember that being stressful, but it was really important in, in setting up that life insurance trust, mm -hmm. and that was an important part of the blended family piece of it, mm -hmm. setting that up. And so I think that worked out very well. Getting those assets out of your estate. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We then we had some, we found on your balance sheet, some real estate partnerships of some folks that really were just kind of unscrupulous and you're busy executives. You, yeah. you, you have to trust the people you are investing with. And I remember we hired a private investigator first and then we hired a lawyer in the local town to get local intel. And then finally, I remember the day I was like, Derek, you're talking with all these numbers. I finally got the numbers. Let me get I got this. I'm going to call them on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Here's your one opportunity before I sue you. Yeah. Um, and you were able to exit that gracefully without a lawsuit, thank goodness, yes. right? For yeah. very little money and legal representation. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I just remember the deal was just give me my money back. Any profit that has been generated over and above that, you can keep it. Just give me my money back. And they thought about it and went, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I still have the file folder on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, getting that cleaned up, that's part yeah. of that balance sheet yeah. optimization, right? Cleaning yeah. up these things that are nuisances 
And oftentimes financial advisors, they get paid to manage money, like going to do this stuff they don't really want to do. We really pride ourselves in going to get all these things cleaned up to get to a good spot. Um, uh, the next one was when you guys had run its course on that property up in, or in, up in Northern California. You guys said, gosh, a better spot for us to be would be somewhere over in Napa. Going through all the math on that and what the risk reward was and what are the risks and getting that relocated. All these things take up a lot of time and effort on behalf of clients and on behalf of advisors to work together to get that done. But I think it builds a lot of trust. I'd love to hear about what your experience has been about all those things. So we've spent a fair bit of time together over the last... Well, yeah, you're talking about the real estate investment that we had um, and how we went to legal and the private investigator. You dug through those files. I remember sending you all the files that we had, and you really did help with that transition of that one. And then the property exchange was a condo that we owned in Rubik Shores, and... um, I remember you saying, you're underwater on this. You're not charging enough rent. But I had good renters in there, and we couldn't resist it. And so we finally made the transition up to Napa, and it's a much better investment, I think. And you did see us through that, too. And I appreciate that. Well, one of the things I I really appreciate, Eric, is uh, I think a lot of people, when you use the term investment advisor, are kind of stuck with stocks and bonds. Mm -hmm. And they're thinking portfolio manager. But portfolio manager in a narrow sense, mm-hmm. and you thought very broadly, and so we became much better diversified. And rather than just having all our assets in stocks and bonds, we got into a number of alternative investments, and that's really where the payday's been in many ways. Mm-hmm. Yes, we still have stocks and bonds. I think most of them are in our iris because I guess there's restrictions which uh, IRA can invest in, but that broader view really was incredibly helpful. And I I don't think a lot of investment uh, managers do that. I think they're portfolio managers. They are. Most investment advisors stay with um, the liquid, what's called 1940-act liquid investments that trade daily. Yeah. And we find as people get higher net worth, it's the illiquid investments now they're illiquid, yeah. so you but for that Ill, you get a premium for that illiquidity, mm-hmm. and we find that clients make two, three, four times the amount of money in those investments Absolutely. Versus, versus what they do on the yeah. on the liquid side. Another thing that happens as clients age is <clears throat> they've made all their money in the illiquid things, but if they don't have a good plan, the two things that I see happen as they age is say, gosh, I need to get more liquid. If they haven't gotten insurance in place, they don't have enough liquidity. So they make two really fateful decisions. One, let me start selling out of the things that were illiquid that performed the best and pay capital gains. And two, I'm going to hold it in my estate because I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to pay estate taxes too. Like, yeah. the, the worst of you know, this is where you've made the money. Yeah. And they, for some reason, have this notion, I need to be liquid when I die. And trying to convince people to say, gosh, you should invest just like you would invest for yourself, for your kids, for your wife, your, so that it just perpetuates itself, but that you have a plan such that you're going to navigate what wealth transfer taxes there might be. Mm-hmm. 
you guys have done a great job in planning for all those complexities, for those illiquidities that I don't think you're going to face either one of those really estate-killing propositions in, in taxes, both in capital gains and wealth transfer. Don't you think that as people grow older, they start worrying about running out of money? Worry about that too. And, you know, if it's tied up in real estate or something that's illiquid, that fear is probably stronger than if it's in stocks and bonds. That's, that's definitely true. However, I tell clients that the metric that gives people financial peace of mind is not net worth, it's excess cash flow. So if you have 150 or 250 or 500% excess cash flow, you just feel wealthier. It is so great that I give you extra cash flow coming in. You're like, I have so much money. I go on better trips. I buy spouses better presents. I give better birthday gifts. And I have better peace of mind because then you turn around and say, I've got all this money building up. Let me give it back to you to reinvest. Derek, I wish you'd stop saying excess cash flow in front of Lori. <laughs> See, that'll be her takeaway from this meeting. We have excess cash flow. Excess <laughs> cash Do you feel like you guys have excess cash flow? I think, yeah. I think there's some peace of mind there for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, one thing that you, your firm has been really good is providing the spreadsheets where we go out into the years in the future and we see, or I see, the cash and how we're going to be living and what the expenses are. Expenses are pretty stable now, and that's been very helpful, and it does, you go to bed at night not worrying. Yeah. So, it's been helpful. So, do you think you have excess cash flow? I think we have adequate cash flow to, in retirement, basically live the same way we did when I was working. And quite frankly, I didn't think that would ever be possible because I think most people, when they retire, think about where they're going to have to cut back. What are they going to have to give up? How are they going to balance the budget? And in the back of my mind someplace, I think that's kind of the program that was running. And so it's been really a pleasant surprise for me that we actually seem to be living in a financially unchanged way, even though I'm retired. Mm. And I remember when we first got started, that was a big, right? That what those were the concerns, right? A lot of decisions were made around that baseline scenario assumption. And as the years have gone by, and we've said, well, look, this is what we really think. I know often Aubrey would discount one. <laughs> okay, that's great, Derek. If that comes true, that's great. Yeah. But you've got kind of a paradigm shift about your retirement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the two indicators I watch, I mean, Lori watches the cash flow in some respects closer than I do. I watch the TD Ameritrade cash balance and I watch the Wells Fargo cash balance and as long as they're not going down, the cash inflow equals the cash outflow. Yeah. So you've also, you saved enough to really take care of yourselves and you've also saved enough to really take care of your family and invested well. In addition, community was really important. And a byproduct of the saving and investment is that you've really been able to set yourself up to really take care of the, the community and the causes that you either work at or did work at or want to support. How has how has that been how has that affected your lives? 
Well, I think the fact that we can continue to do that in retirement has been important and to keep us, like you say, connected to the community, whether it's attending the events or giving charitable gifts has been very important and it, I think it still keeps us involved yeah. in a way in the community. And the other thing I'd say is that, you know, these class, when they mature, we're going to have more money to give away than I ever dreamed we'd have to give away. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to talk about that and think about that. And are we going to put it in a private family foundation or are we going to put some of it in a private family foundation? But I think we both go, we have a lot more to give to charity than we ever dreamed we would have to give to charity. And that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, really look forward to it. Yeah. The grants you're yeah. going to be able to yeah. start signing up for and the causes that are near and dear to your heart. Yeah, and as you've said many times, isn't a lot better for Lori and I to have the flexibility to give it to who we want to give it to rather than giving it to the government with uh, through increased taxes? That's exactly right. We comment, Derek, how you hate to pay tax. Cut that out. It's very painful. <laughs> I just want to get clients what they want. <laughs> no, Henri's like, look, Derek's going to work it so that every one of our accounts is under their management. <laughs> Let's see what else I put down yeah. on here. So what do you think has been the most valuable piece of all the planning, whether it be income tax planning, or estate planning or wealth transfer, I mean, um, balance sheet optimization. Like, what's been the most valuable piece for you and the most valuable piece for you? Don't you start well, I would say the balance sheet optimization. I mean, all of these investments and the diversity in our portfolio has really been great. I mean, it's been great for our lives and our increased wealth. And I think you've helped us along the way to achieve that. And for me, that would be the key thing, I think. To me, I think more of it like the three-legged stool where we talked about estate planning is one of the legs, terribly important. Mm -hmm. Uh, The tax planning, another leg, terribly important. And then the balance sheet optimization in terms of our investments is kind of the third leg of the stool. Mm -hmm. I'd have a hard time saying one is more important than the other. They all were incredibly important. And I think we're both incredibly pleased at the performance on all three. Thank you so much. Yeah. So it's a big commitment of time and money. And people are reticent at first, like, gosh, do I really want to invest the time and the money to do this? Is it going to be a measurable outcome? Am I going to get a material change in my overall situation? What would you say to somebody who's contemplating? I'm on on the edge looking out over it and saying, do I really want to endeavor down this path? What do you say to people that are prospective clients? I don't think we could be where we are without your services and Centura Wealth Management. We know some people who don't have any management involved in their lives, and I can't imagine. I just can't imagine, you know, what they're going to face when they get at the age where then it's too late to plan. Mm-hmm. Um, how about you? I'd say be careful. Yeah, be careful. Um, and hopefully be guided to the person that's going to help you through uh, somebody that you know and trust and hopefully has experience with them because I think there are a lot of people out there that aren't deserving of that trust and I think you are Mm -hmm. and trust is really so important and Lori and I both trust you totally and 
sometimes I think kind of squirm and go, are we going to go with it? And we usually do uh, and are very pleased with how it's all turned out. So that personal relationship has really meant a lot to me and I know to Lori as well. And I have to say, Aubrey gets things quickly. He, he grasps things and he makes decisions quickly. I'm a processor, mm -hmm. so sometimes I have to go away and look at it and come back to you and ask more questions. But you've been very patient as far as that goes in guiding me through the steps. And there's been a lot of steps to be guided through on yeah. this process. And there's a whole team here, right? There's yeah. a team oh, of yeah. people. Oh, you yeah. guys have relationships with how many different individuals here at the firm? Oh, at least six or seven, yeah. perhaps. Oh, uh, you and Zoe are the two primary, but primary relationships, but yes, then very special or very very specialty things come into play. Yeah, right. because it takes a team to yeah. really be able to service all yeah. these different mm -hmm. you know requirements of your wealth. Right. Well, let's see what else is on here. Well, it's been eight years, and kind of crazy that we're yeah. saying that eight and a half years. Yeah. And what do you think is? Um, your greatest learning from this all as you've gone through all this? What do you think your greatest learning has been? You need help and you need uh, to deal with the right accounting firm, you need to deal with the right legal firm, uh, you need to have uh, somebody like you Derek and like you say it's, it is a team and it's a bigger team even than just this office mm -hmm. and it is an expertise and it would be really, I think, dangerous for someone to think they could set out and do it on their own. Mm -hmm. And like I said, also be careful who you get involved with because it's really important. It's just like that one real estate investment mm -hmm. that you talk about. I mean, this was a personal friend of mine mm -hmm. and I it trusted him. It was a big him. sum of money. Yeah, and it was a big sum of money, but uh, and I don't think he intended on doing anything that would was harmful to me because I don't think he knew what he was doing. I think you're right. Mm -hmm. I uh, think you're right. So, yeah, good advice. Yeah. I would agree with Aubrey on, on all of that. Um, the people you connected us to as far as legal and accounting and how that's all tied in and how you're a support system for, you know, each one of those. Uh, it, it's been valuable uh, learning again about investments and what to look for and what not to look for has been a learning process for us uh, and the trust, setting up the trust. As hard as that was and as we got through it and, and we're there, but it was a learning process to get there. Now we've got what now, six trusts. Yeah, yeah. And I would say the one thing that we do well as a firm is we take that laboring or of coordination amongst mm -hmm. the different firms. Mm -hmm. the, most firms are transactional, whether CPA firms or whether yeah. they're estate planning firms. Right. That are transactional. They're not relationship based. Yeah. And they, so somebody has to take the laboring or of coordination. And I think that we continue to grow the firm to do that, to yeah. make sure that you're, you're getting a seamless coordination of delivery. And we're not, we make errors, they make errors. We have to follow up and make sure to correct that. But I think that's the, the value add of, of our firm beyond the investments is, is really being right. the coordinator of, of it all. Right. And, Staying close enough to it, you can tell whether it's on track or off track. Mm -hmm. And if it's not on track, we can talk and figure out what we're going to do to get it on track. Well, in closing remarks here, I will first want to just thank you both for taking the time. So appreciative of doing this. And uh, for our listening audience, closing remarks from either of you. Go ahead. 
Uh, well, I, I would just say that it's it's been a great experience, and we couldn't do it without you. Uh, I think that it gives us peace of mind when we go to bed at night and know that uh, we're well taken care of, our children are taken care of, and you know I hope we have many more years to come to keep planning and investing. I guess I just said one word, word which is thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you both. I really enjoy serving you both. It's so rewarding to see clients set and achieve their financial goals. Um, it's just super rewarding. I, I shared with you my personal story of why I decided to go down this path yeah. professionally, and it just uh, warms my heart to, to do this work. So yeah. thank you both. Thank you for listening to the Live Life Liberated podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Centura Wealth Advisory. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Centura Wealth Advisory, Centura, is an SEC-registered investment advisor with its principal place of business in San Diego, California. Centura and its representatives are in compliance with the current registration and notice filing requirements imposed on SEC-registered investment advisors, in which Centura maintains clients. Centura may only transact business in those states in which it is notice filed or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from notice filing requirements. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Tax relief varies based on client circumstances and all clients do not achieve the same results. 